0: So last week, last week we we started this new series called Here Comes the Sun. And the idea, the idea comes from this Beatles song. <laughs> it does come from a song, but it also comes from this idea, here comes the sun because every single night there's darkness. But every single day the sun rises. And so... And so that's speaking to some of us who who feel like we're in darkness. It feels like we're maybe stumbling around. Maybe you're backed against the corner and you feel like there's no way out. I don't know what you're going through. But I do know that when the sun shows up, darkness flees. And that's the idea behind this, this whole talk. And so tonight we're going to hear from Hunter, and come on up here, Hunter, for a second. Uh, yeah! We got to hear from Hunter um, a little while ago, a few months ago, and she got to share a little bit of a personal story. And if you were here for that, um, you were blessed by that, I think. Um, but if you weren't, just to give you a little bit of a who Hunter is, Hunter's a cool girl, um, but she hasn't always... And she'll get into this. She hasn't always been the, the girl that you see right in front of you. So if you would, let's give it up again for Hunter real quick.
1: Hey, guys. I'm super excited to be here with you guys again. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Um, like David said, uh, you know, every night the sun goes down and it gets dark and every day it comes back up. Um, you know, I'm kind of living that. The running joke in my family is that I'm the most improved player on the team. Uh, You know, growing up, I was a pretty good kid until I got to junior high and high school. And especially when I turned 18, I had a bad attitude. I got mixed in with a rough crowd. And, you know, I was just kind of like hanging out with the bombs. So my family really didn't like enjoy my presence that much. Um, If you were here a few months ago, you got to hear a little bit about my story. And I'll go into it more tonight. But... um, Last, uh, last year, I spent most of the year working on myself, and we went on a family vacation out of the country last summer, and leading into this, there were so many conversations on if they were still even going to bring me, because they just didn't know who would show up. Long story short, I still went. <laughs> and they didn't know who showed up, but it wasn't me. That girl had a great attitude, and she was fun, and she did everything that was asked of her without any complaint. I think it was like day three, and my little sister and my stepbrother had a bit of an attitude and caused a bit of an issue. So my parents sat all five of us down and said, Look, if you don't cut it out, we're putting you on a plane, we're sending you back to America, we don't care. Look over in the corner, and you see me smiling like you threw a kid into a shop full of candy and puppies. I raised my hand, I said, I want you all to know this has nothing to do with me, and it feels awesome. (laughs) And since then, It's been actually great. There's been no issues, um, and so like I said, the running joke is that I've become the most improved player on our team, and if you get compared to the bar I set, it is not good. You don't want to hear that, Um, and last week, we went into Mark chapter one, so I wanted to move forward this week and go into Mark chapter five, where Jesus heals a sick woman. I just want to read it to you first, um, so it's a little bit fresh on your brain while we go through it tonight. Mark chapter five, verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus had realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around and asked, who touched my clothes? Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I want to go through this like passage by passage. So I'm going to start at the beginning. And it says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, She had suffered a great deal under the care of doctors who had spent all and spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So when I first read this, I wasn't sure if bleeding woman was literal or if this was a way that they described chronic illnesses or disease. No, it was literal. Um, And this isn't a health class and I'm not a health teacher, so I'm not gonna get into all these details, but we're all adults, so I'm sure you all are well aware of what happens to women every month. She's been going through this for 12 years. And if you're not aware, this is extremely abnormal and it is not what is supposed to happen. (laughs) Um, After looking into this though and reading more, I read and I found out that in ancient times, if this didn't stop for a consistent seven days, people looked at you like you were filthy or dirty. Women were unclean if it didn't stop. So just think about that. This woman went through this for 12 years. She was looked at very poorly. So then I look at, what do we know? Well, we know she's a woman. And she's been bleeding for 12 years. I mean, 12 consistent years of this. So she's looked at by society pretty, pretty bad. She also spent all of her money trying to fix this. So she's poor. So let's just assume that this doesn't make her more appealing. What do we not know? How old is she? on a little bit of a health class portion of this again. This normally starts for women when they're about 12 or 13, so potentially if this started when at the very beginning, she's in her mid-20s, think about that. That could be one of the women sitting in this room with us today. Or did this start when she was well into her adult life? And if it did, what did it change? Did she have a family? Did she have money? Did this drive away everybody in her life? And lastly, she spent all of her money Was she wealthy before this? Was her family wealthy before this? Or was she poor? We don't know. All we know is that society looked at her dirty and filthy because of something she could not control and doctors couldn't fix. And if you think about it, to this day, people who are of low income and live a dirty life are looked at pretty poorly. I mean, the main example would be a homeless person. That's probably what a lot of us think about when we think of a dirty, poor person. But think about the people who maybe don't look dirty from the outside. Addicts, criminals, cheaters, divorced people. All of these things have a way of shedding a certain light on people. Yet, Jesus didn't care, and he still doesn't care. Just last week, we heard about David and how, he, and how Jesus picked fishermen to follow him. And at this time, being a fisherman wasn't considered the end-all and be-all of careers. But he didn't care let me tell you if you had met me last year or two years ago or even three years ago you'd look at me in a different light too you wouldn't have thought i would be up here talking to you i mean i did not think i would be up here talking to a group of young adults about god that was about the farthest thing from my brain um two years ago i was in the thick of a serious addiction to prescription narcotics and it was a secret my family didn't know my friends didn't know nobody on the street knew because i was getting it from the most reliable dealer around a pharmacy I have a condition that I had a running prescription for that I can't change unless I get a surgery that is illegal till I'm 28 because it will so drastically change my life. So hiding this was easy. In 2016, I hit what I would say is my darkest spot. Some things happened that led me to use more and more, and on Christmas, I took so many pills that I thought I wasn't going to wake up if I went to sleep, and I decided I needed to slow down. I spent all of 2016 thinking about wanting to, 2017 thinking about wanting to get clean. I started surrounding myself with better people and my family, which made me want to get clean even more. And On August 8th, 2017, I googled college groups, Fresno, California. It was a Tuesday, and if there wasn't a group that night, I probably would have never gone to one. The anchor seemed the most inviting, so I showed up. I was still using at the time, and I was alone, and I didn't know anybody here, but I was welcomed with open arms. I can't repay some of the people in this room for what they've done for me. A few months later, I decided that I was done. I came in three days after using. I was looking hot mess express, and I pulled two people aside that I don't think they even knew my name yet. I told David and Sarah White what was going on in my life, and I asked for help. And I've been clean for 311 days today. I've now also had two opportunities to sit here and speak to all of you. So I was looking at what does this mean for all of us as a whole. Not everybody's going through what I'm going through. Jesus doesn't care how filthy your life looks like to the outside world. If you, if we have faith in him, he will heal us. So forget how the outside world is viewing you, today, or yesterday, or even tomorrow. Jesus doesn't care. Put your faith in him, and he will heal you. He'll grab you by the hand, and he will pull you through, just like he did for me. I remember the last night that I used, I did something that I had never done before, something that even in my darkest times, I was so against, and I mixed drugs and alcohol. And in all honesty, I didn't mean to either. I used, I forgot, and then I started drinking. And I remember being so embarrassed because I got sick. And when I was in the middle of that, I remember thinking, this is not who I want to be. This is not what I want people to know me for. I have to stop. And I prayed. I said, God, I need your help. I need it so bad because I can't do this alone. I want this. What do I need to do? The next day, I was embarrassed, and I was hurting. But in that, I felt some sort of peace and confidence that it was going to be okay. That night, I disappointed a lot of people in my life. It looked dirty. It looked gross. I mean, even right now, I get sick to my stomach thinking about it. But do you know who didn't care and helped me anyway? Jesus. Our society is on this live your best life, have confidence kick so hard right now. It seems like everyone is working out and doing new diets and reading books about it. And I can't stand here and act like I don't partake. I've been doing the ketogenic diet. I love CrossFit. I'm currently training for a Spartan race and I just finished two self-help books. (laughs) And I read something the other day that said something about relationships that said along the lines of relationships are easy, love can take you so far, but it's about waking up every single day and choosing the same person over and over and over. And you know, I'm in a relationship, so I knew this was true. But what if we woke up every single day choosing our relationship with God over and over and over? What do you think your life would look like then? So if we practiced what people are preaching around us every single day and put a little spiritual twist on it, I think that your possibilities would be endless. Choose your relationship with God every day, even on the hard ones, especially on the hard ones. Read your Bible or a book about discipleship. One of the self-help books that I actually read is called The Celebration of Discipline, and I read it at the same time as another book called The How of Happiness, which actually isn't a faith-based book, but I connected the two on my own. If you're into something like that, I would suggest both books to anyone. Exercise your faith by speaking to people about God and have confidence in God's love for you if there's one thing that gets repeti- is repetitive through the entire Bible. It is the most Sunday school thing that you learn, and it is that Jesus loves you. In Hebrew 11 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this takes me to the main point for tonight, which is faith is confidence. In the verse 27 of Mark chapter 5, we see, When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. You've probably heard the word manifest at one point or another. And if you, if you haven't, the, the definition of that would be, be evidence of or prove. And I always kind of joke that I'm pretty good at manifesting, you know, I stress about money and then bam, I make $20 end up in my purse. But just think about Mary Poppins when they keep pulling stuff out of the purse. A purse is a woman's black hole of everything she's ever owned. So that would be where that came from. But this woman knew And she knew that Jesus would heal her just by touching his clothes. That would be like you didn't do your homework. A kid in your class walks by, you touch his backpack, and now your homework's done. I'm not going to say God's going to do your homework or that that's going to work for you. But I am saying she didn't grab his hand. She didn't look him in the eyes. She didn't stand before him. She touched his clothes from behind him. This showed pure confidence This woman had in Jesus. She heard about his ability to heal people and she believed in him and remember there were no phones and no tvs so she wasn't talking to someone from a few towns over who was telling her about what Jesus was doing or turning on the news and seeing everything he was doing around her. She heard these stories through people that were traveling and I'm going to assume we all played telephone on one end it starts as I tried to call my aunt Sally and on the end it's my dog ate my homework. So you can only imagine what these stories ended up sounding like she didn't care. She knew if she touched Jesus, he could help her. I think this just shows that if and when we choose the and we confidently believe in Jesus, if we choose our relationship with Jesus, if we have faith in our awesome God, he will help us through anything. And I mean anything. When I got clean, I asked God to take over my life, and he really did. In January, I was approached with the opportunity to help with the behind the scenes here at the Anchor. My relationship with my family is better than it ever has been. I'm making great strides in my career. I did Rooted here at Cross City, and I made a friend that will probably be in my life for the rest of my life and is one of the most important people to me now. And somewhere in there, God blessed me with a relationship that I would have never imagined. In these plans that I had for myself, though, they weren't the same anymore. And that wasn't easy. I equally lost and gave up a career opportunity that I worked hard for. I've lost people that were in my life, and I've had hard days in my addiction, yet I know my relationship with God is on track, and I'm confident in that, so I always have peace that even in the disappointing things and all of the amazing things that are going on, it's going to turn out for the best. Carrie Underwood sings a song called Jesus Take the Wheel. If you have heard it, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you hadn't, it's okay. You're not going to be lost. She says, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go. So give me one more chance and save me from this road I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. Give every single thing up to God. Remember, this is the God that knows every hair on your head. He put the stars in the sky and he has a plan for you. A great plan. A plan greater than anything you can come up with on your own. With God in your life, you'll be happier than you thought possible. You'll love harder than you can imagine, and you'll feel more peace than society wants you to believe is real. There is nothing he won't do for you, nowhere he won't look for you, and nothing you can do that will make him leave you. At the end of this um, passage that I left on the papers, it says, at once Jesus had realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The definition of faith is literally complete trust and confidence in something or someone. I think she showed that here. But let's look at this a little closer. First of all, Jesus asked, Who touched my clothes? Okay, let's... Really think about this. Jesus, a man who heals the see, the sick, makes the blind see, and is all knowing, asked, Who touched my clothes? Do we really think he didn't know? Do Did we really think the Son of God just drew a blank? <laughs> when kids do something, you hear their parents ask, Who ate the last cookie? They know who ate it. The kid has chocolate on their cheeks and crumbs down their clothes, and but why do they ask? Maybe to give an opportunity for them to step up and say, it was me. Does God do the same thing? This woman could have really easily pointed to the guy next to her and said, he did it. He touched you. <laughs> it wasn't me. But she didn't. Publicly, in front of a group of people that for 12 years had looked down on her, said, I touched you. It was me who, healed, who you healed. I think Jesus wants us to come forward publicly and show our faith for him. Then Jesus calls her daughter. He called her daughter, a woman that everyone else looked at as filthy. The son of God called daughter. He asked to touch his clothes. She came forward and then called her daughter. Let's think about that. Could that have been assigned to her and everyone else? That Jesus wants you to ask for help? This story isn't really about my parents at all, but... <laughs> A few weeks ago, I was making dinner for my boyfriend, something I've done many, many times. Normally, it goes very well, and we have a great meal. Well, this time, I decided that I was going to make steak. You know, I've never done it before, but I've seen my dad do it. Personally, I've never even used a barbecue. Love my kitchen. Well, I slapped him on the grill, set a timer. Jeremy shows up. I'm popping the sides in the oven, on the stove, go outside, open the grill. They're on fire. I mean, they were like beef jerky dehydrated at this point. I apologized and said, look, I've never done this before. Well, how do you respond? First he laughed at me, which is all right, because I laughed too. (laughs) And then he said, why didn't you tell me? I would have helped you. He would have helped me if I had just asked. God wants us to ask him for help too. God wants us to rely on him. He wants us to turn to him for every little thing big thing and little thing in our life. I feel like oftentimes we forget that God is happy to bless us when we follow the path he lights for us. And we are 100% confident in him and his love for us. Just like any parent, he's happy to show us the good things. When we ask, he's happy to hold our hand in the dark and tell us it's going to be all right. God loves us. He loves us so much he sent his only son here to teach us, love us, and then die for us so we could live an eternal happy life with him. All he asks is that we lean on him, have faith in him, love him, and ask him for help. If we truly think about how it comes full circle, God had faith in Jesus to do everything he asked of him. Jesus had faith faith in us to trust him, follow him, and live our life shining his light. And we have faith in Jesus for everything he does for us and did for us so we can live like him. Jesus doesn't care how dirty your life looks. Jesus doesn't care about the choices you've made in the past. Jesus doesn't care about the choice you may make next year. If you have faith in him, trust in him, he'll heal you. You just have to let him. Ask him for help. Um, I'd like to invite David to help me close this up real fast with our questions.
0: So, first of all, uh, one of the cool things about these Tuesday nights is Not that we have cool music and awesome talks and stuff. By the way, that was awesome. Uh, Yep, we're going to clap. Let's clap for it. (laughs) I'm not going to let you do that by yourself. That was cool. One of the cool things, my favorite thing about these Tuesday nights is that we get to hang out and talk with people who may be going through similar situations, because at the end of the day, we're all. Young adults, in some way or fashion. And if I could just, before we jump into some questions, there's a couple of questions on the back. If you want to just take a look at those, there's something very fascinating that happens in the story. And Hunter tapped it, and I just want to bring it back for a second. This girl, Imagine this, for 12 years, was bleeding. For 12 years, everyone around her looked at her like she was a piece of trash. For 12 years, th- th- these people, everyone, they, 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 she was worth nothing. She taps his clothing, and then he turns around and says, hey, who did this? In front of the very same people for the last 12 years who looked down at her, she said, it was me. Almost like she was scared. And Jesus says, daughter. He calls her daughter. See, some of, I think this girl was hoping or knowing, hoping that Jesus, this is the last resort, man. I I spent all my money trying to get rid of this bleeding thing, I don't know get it, but it's weird. I'd spent all my money on it, and you're my last hope, Jesus. And he's like, "Who touched me?" She's like, I, "I, I did." And he says, "He says, daughter." And there's this sense of like, man, as a, as a dad, as a dad, I got a couple kids. Jesus not only was like, "Hey, yeah, I'll heal you." Jesus, no, man, I think Jesus desired. He wanted to heal her. As a dad, man, if my kids fell and scraped their knee and hobbled over to me and said, Hey, dad, I need a band aid, dude, I would be the first one to grab one. It's not that Jesus can or will. Man, he wants to heal you. He wants to. Why? Because he's a dad, he's a father. And in a simple sentence, he's giving this girl an identity. For the last 12 years, he was trash. And in one word, he takes this piece of trash and he lifts her to a princess. The king of kings saying, hey, you're my daughter. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you've, what you've done. You are who I, I say you are and you're my daughter. I'd love to heal you. I want to just give that to you as we, as we move forward because there's something special about taking a no, nothing and nobody and raising them up to a somebody. And God just doesn't, can, he can heal you. I, I believe he wants to, and I believe he wants to even tonight.